0: It's time to empower you to be and live your brand. I am your host, Alicia Brooks, president of Brandique You, a brand marketing and business boutique that works with amazing fierce leaders, influencers, and change agents who have been bold and brave in being and living their best selves while creating a brandique lifestyle that shares with the world exactly who they are. Are you ready to be Brandique Le Liu? Let's get started. Tonight, I am so excited because um, I have a lot of friends, and I wanted to have these conversations with people who I know their heart, I know their intentions, I know what they've been active at doing, and this man right here, I've known him for I don't know how long, (laughs) but... Um, Johnny and I have been friends, really good friends, for years. And um, I call him my male best friend. So I'll call him and talk to him about some of everything. He knows a whole lot and bounce ideas, talk vision, all kind of stuff. And I'm so excited that he said he would join me tonight. And um, so, hey, Johnny, how are you?
1: Hey, friend, how are you? <laughs> And uh, I join you in this uh, this being double-minded about this, this the current state of this country and wanting to do something. And and as we get into our conversation, I'll, I'll share about uh, a little bit about my journey, but the passion about what I really want to do, and even some of the internal struggles that I have about not being out in the middle of the protest.
0: Yeah. Okay. See, he's amazing. I just want y'all to know that. So um, I asked him to talk tonight because speaking from a perspective of an African-American man um, who is accomplished, which you're going to hear some of his accomplishments, um, but the struggle behind being an African-American man in this country and how are things happening? um, What is he thinking? What is his rationale? And how did he even get to this point? Um, He's not speaking to every single person um, because everyone cannot relate. So, um, if you have questions, that's fine. But I'm not looking for any trolls because if you know my personality, I'm all about positivity, unity, love, and all that good stuff. So, we're going to talk about the racism and the police brutality and the injustice in this country. But I did want to point that out. So, Johnny, share some things about you and how you got to this point on your right.
1: journey. Um, I'll start a little bit uh, as, as uh, and I call it E. Did anybody else call you E but me?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. I
1: thought that was my name.
0: <laughs> you know, that's funny. Everybody, everybody says that.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, you make everybody feel special, right? You are. So, uh, thank you. Uh, but just a little bit about myself my, uh, on the front end. Um, I've had my own business, consulting business since uh, 2000. Um, I am the CEO and executive director of the Allen Leadership, um, a nonprofit um, called the Upper Room, which used to be a, a Christian, con- a Christian jazz type club, uh, clean comedians, uh, uh, one-two act uh, singers. In a, a Christian environment, and all you can eat dinner—it's uh, like on a, de- on a date on Friday, Saturday nights. Did that for a while um, with the Allen Leadership Group as a consultant. I've worked with a number of uh, agencies across the country uh, from uh, on the sports end, from UCLA to uh, University of South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. A number of teams. I generally work with about um, twelve to fifteen teams a year, basketball. Um, work with a, on the women's side of basketball, uh, LSU, when they were on their national championship run, and most recently, the University of South Carolina 2017 national championship run. Uh, um, I've been working with them ever since uh, Don Stadia was there, and uh, she thought enough of the contribution that I made to her team to give me a national championship ring. Uh, some of the highlights, Eve, yes. some of the things that, that, thing that I'm most proud of, and I'll name a couple of things that I'm really proud of. I had an opportunity to do. By the way, I am a a, a man of faith, and uh, I allow uh, my walk uh, to sort of Mm -hmm. speak for me, to emulate God in the lives of the people that I meet, and that is a part of who I am. And so every interaction with me, though I don't have the big cross and the big Bible in front of me, if you Mm -hmm. talk long enough, you'll Mm -hmm. connect with the Spirit that's in me. And if you miss it,
0: then it's you, <laughs> it's you. Cause he be dropping nuggets <laughs>
1: yeah. so a couple of things and just really quickly um i had an opportunity to do a two, a three-year um uh contract with the nfl um my wife felicia and i uh, work with them we partnered with a couple of people and we wrote the curriculum for the nfl when there a player no longer has a contract he no longer is affiliated with a team and it's time to do the next thing in this career. Um, we call it transition. So we, were, we trained 12 uh, former players to be transition coaches. And what they, their responsibility was to help a former NFL player transition to the next phase of the next career in their life. And we went up to, um, to New York, did the training at the NFL headquarters. It was a nine-month job for three years, once a month. Uh, and I felt really, really blessed and honored to do that. Another honor that I've had was uh, this must have been uh, about eight years ago. it was two Olympics ago. Had an opportunity to go to uh, Denver, Colorado, to the uh, Olympic complex. And I think I think, and I don't I don't get excited about seeing stars and 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 celebrities mm-hmm. and things like that, but. Walking on that Olympic campus made me feel really special. And what we were brought in to do was to do strategic planning with the United States Olympic Committee, with the technicians, the medical uh, uh, people, and the administrators, the people behind the scene. Their goal was to win gold, and they have teams as well. Uh, that they have to have to collaborate with and work together to get the athletes where they need to be, to keep them healthy, to provide the technology, and so we work with them around how to help this country win go. And that was that was a pretty special. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, good yeah. for you. See, yeah. the man of wisdom, man of faith, doing things like I love having people like this in my circle. Mm-hmm.
1: I me mean, give The last one I will say, we've been on a journey for 11 years. It's called A Step Up. Uh, I'm the executive director for the nonprofit, and we provide training for coaches uh, or for people that want to be coaches. Uh, this year, we worked with any coach for any sport and provide training for them. And uh, two years ago, we started the Assistant Coaches Hall of Fame, which uh, there's not one other in the country. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, ESPN, Ian acknowledged us. The uh, NCAA have acknowledged us and, um, and the work that we're doing. So it sort of legitimizes our effort. And I think that was just another special uh, opportunity. So far, there are 20 assistant coaches in two years that we've had uh, inducted in our assistant coaches hall of fame.
0: Well, good. See, accomplishments. accomplishment. accomplishment. Now, tell us how you got to this point as um, a black man. What was your journey?
1: Well, uh, first, um, uh, I think any black man or woman that has lived any amount of life with their eyes open, they have to be just appalled at what uh, they saw with uh, George Floyd, Um, but not surprised. I think Unfortunately. this caught some people by surprise. And when they say I was surprised at that, uh, and I'm one of those people, I'm a conspiracy theorist, I track people, I'm a naturalist, <laughs> I observe things, and uh, I also read. Like any other black man in America, if you operate in corporate America, when the time you hit your door, you have to track. Because yeah. you need to be aware of what people are saying, what they're not saying. Yeah, And it's, and it's equally as important. Right. Um, and so... Um, in that, I'll share a little bit about my journey to get here, um, and uh, some some uh, I guess connecting points to this feeling of frustration and um, discontentment and unrest. Uh, even with what's happening now, we see gradual change happening, or we see people talking about change. In a way that they've not talked about it before, yeah. but as we've experienced it in, in our lifetime and our parents and their parents, we don't know that we can construct can trust that an action plan will follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in third grade, I was I was part of the integration of schools. Uh, I was on the safety patrol. Uh, did a great job by points. Scott you get points and uh, some of you may remember some of you somebody. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, uh these <laughs> are around I mean, if you don't, uh, don't. kids <laughs> used to be safety of Joe crosswalkers now they have adults but kids used to do it and uh, I had enough points to earn a special trip you get enough points all the kids went to Washington DC and toured the country and um Though I had enough points, I was denied an opportunity to go because my roommate had to be a white kid and I was the only African-American on the safety patrol. And I realized that this this was in the third grade, which was my first year uh, integrating in school, voluntary integration in South Carolina. Um, And that started me on a journey here. Uh, In high school, playing basketball, I was one of two African-American males on the team when there were very, very talented African American males walking the halls that were cut from the team. They didn't have the right um, uh, walk, they didn't have the right look, they weren't in the right classes or whatever the case may be, they were discriminated against, but it was about a basketball team. Hmm. Uh, I remember one significant time in middle school when the, um, it was the first year, if anybody familiar with Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina, it was the first year that Northwestern High School was open uh they closed the black high school which was Emmett Scott, and the high the black kids were dispersed between the two high schools and the high school students walked out and protested because they were promised uh that the the, the uh the colors of the uniform would be changed to represent to include the black high school which was purple and gold and they marched from the high school to the school district office and um and uh, when they got close to the, my middle school, which was across the street from the school district office, uh, students started running out of classes. Uh, it was frantic. Um, students were looking for me, calling my name. They used to call me T. My name was Johnny Allen, but they used to call me T. Where's T? Where's T? Everybody was looking for me. And uh, it wasn't a plan, it was a it, uh, thing, but the middle school students were ready to walk out. The principals made an announcement on the loudspeaker or PA system that for Johnny Allen to come to the office. I went to the office and the principal threatened to recommend me for expulsion if the African American, if the black kids walked walk out of school. And as I said, it wasn't a planned thing, wow. but it, it was, I guess, indicative did have what the students thought about me. And I played on leadership. I was in student government and things like that. But uh, what was, again, I got called into the office and threatened for something that i uh wasn't playing it, it organically happened
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh but uh, naturally we did march out we did leave where we did um go join the protest with the high school students i was called into the office they could not suspend me because they, they had no evidence that i let the kids out um, wow two things any thoughts about that Eve?
0: i'm just at such an early age though you went through all that at the third in the third grade but i'm not i cannot say i'm surprised because of all that we've gone through for years 500 plus years yeah. like so i can't be surprised but it still saddens me every time i hear a story so yeah unfortunately yeah. unfortunately so yeah. Yeah. go ahead <laughs> good
1: and I said I was a conspiracy theorist. Um, <laughs> I believe that, um, and this, so as an adult, um, I've had probably three significant experiences that, uh, that sort of um, uh, agree with that thought that what's happening in this country, everything from incarceration, from the poor education, from the low performing schools with the Title I schools to high unemployment. Uh, to the lack of affordable housing. I don't think any of that is by accident. That That is a strategic, uh, systemic uh, process, racism, biases, discrimination that's been in place for a long time, yeah. every, even before we were free. This is interesting. It had nothing to do... This is what's interesting to me, that when our ancestors slave, they used religion to sort of control us and to temper us. And then as we rose up, and even not only our, our confidence and, and our faith in this thing that we can't see, which becomes the empowerment of us, because if we look at what we see on a daily basis, it can be discouraging, disheartening, it can be oppressive. But yeah. when we can believe in a God that can provide for us, that we can wake up every day with a new attitude, even though we face the same discrimination that we went to sleep on yesterday. Yeah. So when that starts to happen and you get medical researches around, um, that people that have a strong uh, religious conviction um, uh, get healed faster than those that don't believe in anything. So what happens systemically? They take prayer out of school,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so
1: what happens to our kids that um, that come in? Some go to church, some don't. But that you used to always can bank on the Lord's prayer. At school, yeah, and latch on that corporately as a country, and so our country being at such disarray, you, I don't know how many years it's been since they took the Lord's prayer out of school and they took it away from the athletic event, events, which again was strategic. The religion was oppressing for us as, uh, as our ancestors. Now it's empowering for us, so they take it away.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you say the um, pledge of allegiance? Did you used to say that?
1: Yeah, we used to say to play the play of allegiance every day, every morning. We used to have it on the on the PA system. Yeah. Uh, back then, I didn't know what it was, but uh, that's even another thing. Um, and we'll talk about uh, talk about cap and, and the current events. Let me share this one with you. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, experience around uh, just uh, discrimination. Uh, I said I. I my own company i've worked with low performing schools with title one schools yeah. um primarily with the um uh, with cms system but i've worked with schools across the nation um my company developed core competencies for social workers in the cms schools uh, when we when they brought us in social workers and psychology uh psychologists school psychologists, were in the same department our work developed competencies for social workers so when they go into school They've got core competencies that they can expect to do along with the other discretionary things that an administrator might uh, ask them to do, but they know that those core things are gonna gonna look alike from school to school. Um, But in in working with the school, the 100 Black Men had a project called the Wimley Project. And what we looked at was uh, the over-representation of African-American males uh, recommended to receive special education services. And some people know, some don't, that when you receive special education services or placed in special ed, we, some people say, you are on a certificate track, which means you don't get a diploma. If you don't get a diploma, you, can't, uh, get you won't college? be accepted in college. Mm-mm.
0: And some of these so, people don't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so when you talk about um, disproportionality, uh, social injustice, that thing starts, it starts with funding on the preschool level. Mm-hmm. On, um, you can look at, at, the, at the budget that has to be cut for preschool and um, if, you, if kids go to school not ready to learn because their parents uh, can't afford, uh, uh, because of employment, um, can't afford the preschool if they cut funding that means kids aren't getting that at that preschool education right and so when they come in the first grade they're already one or two grade levels behind because they didn't get the preschool education the third year when they get to third grade they may be one grade level behind again because of lack of preschool but third grade is the first year of standardized testing Mm -hmm. and there is a direct relationship between the third grade standardized test and the number and that percentage of African Americans that will be incarcerated before they're 18 years old from 18 to 24 years old mm-hmm. it's some ridiculous number. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the, the uh, graduation rate for African Americans in CMS and other states across the country you can see a, a tremendous disparity there Yeah. and that is not by accident if you in corporate America let's say from the third grade you can identify a problem. Let's say your third year in, in, in corporate America, you identify a problem. And um nine years later, which would be there in the 12th grade, nine years later, you have to resolve that problem in corporate America, you get fired.
0: Right. Fired.
1: And in, in, in education, teachers and administrators keep their job. And we know that the vast majority of those kids who don't meet reach um adequate yearly progress, uh, who don't, who are not successful with the uh, standard course of study or who don't reach level three, whatever your testing metric is, those kids, the majority of them are going to end up, one, in special ed, two, incarcerated, unless something happens. So the 100 Black Men at a Project, that we took 28 uh, African American boys from um, Bri- Briar Creek uh, Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And we said, don't test them, don't put them in special education, give them to us. We, we uh, gave extended day in math and English. We had a parent component, we had a council component uh, that worked with the kids for a semester. At the end of the semester we said, uh, let's test those kids, test all of them now that need to be tested. They are not working on grade level, they haven't grown, shown measurable growth academically, uh, then you can test them. Out of uh, 28 kids, we had two to transfer leaving us with 26 kids. There were about six kids that needed special education. That means 22 kids did not need to be referred for special ed. And
0: they were trying and to put had them in there. a, docu- wow. a document.
1: Now, this is the challenge. So we were at the Wonder Black Men. Uh, there are five sites nationally that had that same program. I believe it was Baltimore. It was uh, Las Vegas. It was Nashville, Tennessee and Charlotte. There was one other site. I don't remember the the fifth site, but we got together, presented our data to the uh, U.S. Department of Ed in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Presented our numbers, great numbers. We presented to the um, National Association of Educational Psychologists, uh, presented our findings there. Everybody was excited about it. The next year, the funding to that program was cut.
0: Wow. Systemic. 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 All day.
1: Yeah. All day. uh, You talk about getting here. uh, Those kind of experiences are part of my mindset and my, and my thought process uh, for here, getting here. Uh, I worked with the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. They chose two consultants, diversity consultants, from across the state. Uh, There were 12 of us that had a two-year project and our contract, they paid us to write a curriculum around uh, African-American health disparities uh, Mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. So we did the research, and that was led by Dr. Forrest Toms. Uh, We did the research, uh, we wrote a curriculum, and our agreement was once the curriculum was was, was completed, that we would go into, uh, the rural community health centers and, uh, health departments and, um, and present our diversity around health disparities. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my areas, I went to, um, Lumberton, I went to Goldsboro, uh, to Rocky Mount, uh, uh, the the Eastern part of the state, uh, Mm -hmm. was, and was, was my areas. And, um, we agreed to do that, and I think that was like a six-month project after we wrote the curriculum. When everybody completed, completed their contract, the contract went away. It, went, it just went away. And that's when they started uh, the uh, Latino-Hispanic Diversity Training. Uh, some of you may remember, I think it was probably 2014, when that window, you could tell the window for diversity training was going away. Mm-hmm. Not that we had accomplished our job, not that we had eliminated uh, racism and social in, uh, Just injustice and those things. Mm-hmm. It went away because that wasn't a sexy thing anymore.
0: Wow. Um, so, you know, well. those are
1: some of my experiences uh, of, wow. with that, but I know uh, today there are some issues that are, that are really pressing. Wow. Uh, what, are you, what are your
0: thoughts, I'm just like, how? Why? They just hold us back, hold us down. Uh, uh, hello? Uh, hello? Five. <laughs> when you go live, you never know. Who this gonna... <laughs> okay. I got
1: my
0: office door a lot, so... I Okay, so... I'm off track. Um, tell those of us who um, did not remember (laughs) the Tulsa, Oklahoma riot
1: you know uh, a friend of mine reminded me of of, uh, what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma Um, because we were we were listening looking at the TV and looking at the riots and some were peaceful, some were looting and um, I think I think it takes all of that I think it takes it takes the aggressive violence, and I'm yeah, I said it. I think it mm-hmm. takes that because singing "Kumbaya" does not work. It took yeah. a Malcolm uh, to help Martin, and a Martin to help Malcolm. That's what I believe. Yeah. But um, it take it takes the aggressive behaviors. It takes sacrifice. It takes yeah. uh, some people get it locked up. Some people get hurt in that. But how important is this agenda? Right. It takes people who are willing to silently protest. It takes uh uh it takes the faithful people being on one accord and praying and interceding for us. It takes uh the money to finance mm-hmm. that. It got, you got people that will spend money for this that will never set a foot on a protest, but they're equally as important. Right. It takes the same people uh, being in the boardroom that you'll never see them make a radical statement publicly, but they'll sit at the board table and they'll represent our agenda. Yeah. So I don't minimize the role that people play, and that I think it takes all of us operating in our lane and in our strength to make this thing come to reality.
0: And I think that's a good point. And even when people minimize, like everyone can't be out there riding. Like I can't be out there. If I didn't have these daggone crutches, I would be out there. However, you can't minimize what other people are doing or what are not doing. Like you walk in your lane, you do what you can do. If you can't go out there and, and protest, you can send money to the the bail fund you can um have a voice do something speak out like you don't have to just but don't minimize other people's efforts because they're not doing what you're doing that's my that's my whole my whole thing because everybody is different
1: what's what you can do and for those who who um uh desire to be out there but that's not your land that's not your contribution what you can do is use what you see or what you hear to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think you talked about having a conversation uh, with uh, with a friend of yours, Caucasian friend of yours, mm-hmm. to talk about different perspectives. Uh, sometimes it is enlightening people. Sometimes it may be sharing people uh, with them. And uh, as I said earlier, uh, as an African American man, when I walk out the door, when I get in my car, I have to turn my tracking
0: on. Yeah. Uh, everything from how people, Drive and cut you off and let you in
1: to what what they say in the restaurants um and so we can use this platform to have an up, uh, uh, a conversation but when you listen to what people say yeah if you're tracking if they tell you who they are and sometimes uh, they're just their biases and most of the time their biases I' say most many times their biases lie believe believe their the conscious awareness yes they're not even consciously aware of what they say no what they are saying
0: no and yeah. that's why I got this I downloaded that book um the white fragility um <laughs> I downloaded it this past weekend because one of the ladies one of the girls was on cnn who was a flight attendant who um saw a white gentleman get on their plane talking of uh, with the book in her, his hand and she went up she's like I made a mental note I'm going to go talk to him afterwards um, and she had a conversation with him and did not know at the end he was the president, CEO of American Airlines and you never know who is who but there are some I, I have some good Caucasian white friends I have some um Like I mentioned before, I have some who have not reached out. Who, but I don't have any expectations of that. First of all, but I have been tracking for a long time on how they interact with me versus them. So I can see, and even even with Demond going to Hopewell, um, majority Caucasian school. Then he went to Davidson, which is a majority <laughs> Caucasian. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but,
1: I was doing all these tours for a group in, in probably '89, and when you went to Davidson, and I was surprised. They wasn't having a laundry service. Put your clothes out and then they come and pick it
0: up hey. and wash them. A laundry service. I say, what kind of school is this? Yes, when the mom was in ninth grade, he, um, the freshman, he's like,
1: they got a laundry service.
0: He's like, mom, they do my they do my laundry. I'm like, oh, Lord, honey. They need to come in your room and get the laundry because I don't know what. <laughs> but um, just, wa- just raising a black man. In this culture, I'm, I'm, I'm. I just, I have to pray even harder when he's here yeah. Um, yeah. than he is when he goes overseas. Like when he goes back to Japan um, in August, I'm like, my heart would be, but there's racism everywhere. <laughs> but yeah. when he gets here, like the other day, he wanted to go. Um, Go down to the protest, and him and his friend BJ. Damon is six seven. BJ is 6 six. I'm like, oh no, y'all can't go down there, Mm-mm. cause first of all, y'all the tallest ones. <laughs> I don't need nobody doing no straight nothing with that one. So you and he's so passionate about the same things you saying that you gotta have like you gotta do something. You gotta be violent. You gotta be aggressive. Like he he him and Teresa are all down for that but you just have to i just my heart just sinks every time he goes out the door i'm like okay all right put my prey hat on but hey yeah. it's it's about <laughs> like that
1: um a friend of mine uh we were talking sunday and um he and he has two boys one is um in law school uh in the others in medical school, one goes to Howard, one goes to Mahari, I believe in in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so he took, and of course they're home now uh, because of uh, COVID-19. And so they went to Fayetteville to the viewing of of George Floyd. And um, when they said it, um, sometimes we are not honest with ourselves about our emotions and our thoughts and you know most of us say half about half of what we think anyway but i know this brother well enough to, to, to say just be honest with him um he said he and his boys went didn't take him long to go through it was powerful being in that environment and uh, when he got done and, it's a, and i said brother I'm, you know i'm really excited about you and, and taking your son because being a black man and raising a son and, and uh my son is is uh, is 32 but um You want to be an example for them you want to expose them and then when they're out on their own you got to pray for them because we know this world uh has consistently oppressed and uh discriminated against african-american men yeah even to uh the advancement of african-american women Yes. because i can i can hire you and have a double minority right yes but uh, he went to to the funeral to the fury and I told him, I said, man, I'm excited for you, but but uh, but when you said you went, something in my heart, just something. Because mm. I wanted to be out there with you.
0: Mm, I wanted okay. to be
1: out there just with you, but with my son. Uh, what a powerful uh, lesson that's mm-hmm. ingrained and in that you don't have to download into to your children. You put them in that environment and, and they see. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was envious. Mm-hmm. Of I was envious that he went and I've done nothing, uh, in terms of protesting, except for what, uh, uh Stephen Frederick was talking about, uh, having a conversation, having authentic conversations mm-hmm. around uh, social injustice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank yeah. you. What you. What else? Do you, do you have any nuggets you want to share? What would you, your parting words?
1: Um, think uh it, it, that pastor fernick and uh john gray talked about um yeah,
0: that was really good
1: this 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 uh social justice and uh and one of the things that he said uh is that he he could not pastor a diverse church and not
0: empathize and feel the pain the mm-hmm. oppression
1: and suffering of his congregation mm-hmm. and sit down and say nothing
0: yeah yeah
1: now um We talk about, uh, so many people talk about being Christian and being believers and being God. God is a just God. Right. And this injustice that's going around, and I think it was, it was, um, um, who did the eulogy for for him, uh, for uh, George Floyd? uh, Al Sharpton did the eulogy. He called all those pastors out that has uh, mega churches that come to do crusades and visit cities and invite everybody to come and African Americans are in the audience. They take this big offering and they go back to their home church or they minister every day and talk about God loves everybody and they see injustice happening and they say
0: nothing, no, nothing, nothing.
1: How hypocritical is that?
0: I, you know, I I might not. Well, I'm going to say this anyway. <laughs> I have not gone to church in a minute. Because I, my eyes are, my eyes, I'm not saying I'm not a believer. I'm just tired of the hypocrisy and the rhetoric that's not, nothing, you're not doing anything so i've just taken a step back i'm not saying i don't believe but um i've I just taken a step back from from being at church now i've i've watched church um pastor furtick and pastor uh, ptd jakes and i watched them but i've gotten i had to take a step back because my way of thinking is shifting um well. but you know and and and, and with all of this that's going on. I'm like, no, something else. Has, it has to change. I gotta change. If I can't, I can't change nobody else. I have to change for me. So, yeah.
1: Well, it, it, uh, we've uh, been going to church a long time. Yeah. And because we physically uh, reach the church doors, uh, ultimately the, the the desire is to emulate Christ in your life. Right. Is relate really christ in the uh in your interaction with people right because we are institutes we are the vehicle in which he shows himself uh in the earth and so uh i this this uh online church'm I'm, I'm good I, I you know if you go if you've been going to church as long as i have you've heard most every message from the major um mm-hmm. past most, most common passages right so i'm looking for a new spin on it uh, uh something that gives me different depth yeah but uh uh Stephen furtick told call john gray the monday after they had the talk powerful talk about uh, uh racial injustice and and they didn't hold anything back yeah i am or he got some calls from his from his members from his uh republican members probably yeah
0: but who cares
1: but, uh, <laughs> but he didn't apparently <laughs> he didn't but what he said he called john he said john how you feeling john said i am exhausted this was money after he said i'm exhausted i in my spirit i am tired and fergus said uh, man we just had a 45 minute conversation why are you tired and see if you track, if you heard me you track that
0: yeah all right yeah. And, and,
1: and what what uh what uh Stephen Furtick said We just had a 45 minute uh, conversation yesterday, and you're tired. And then John Gray said, That was a 45 minute conversation with you. But this struggle, and I think John Gray must be 48, he said, This has been a 48 year conversation and struggle. Mm -hmm. That was just a moment. And so, those people who get tired of seeing the protest, Tired of seeing black folks call out the system. Tired of seeing black people uh, um, uh, marching.
0: I hope it's it does not
1: stop. Us. It's a, life, it's a life lifetime time. experience and journey of oppression, discrimination, uh, systemic racism, uh, uh, strategically uh, blocking us out of jobs. Um, and so the thing that empowers us now for me is my faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen.
0: Yeah.
1: So I have to believe, in spite of what we uh, see. Yeah. Uh, what I uh, what I know that this um, demonic spirit that sits in the White House, because we know that the Bible tells us Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you just use those words, kill steal and destroy to disrupt yeah.
0: I gotta mean, just
1: listen to the message and then I ain't got nothing to do with politics no. I don't care about being Republican or, or Democrat, I don't care about that no. that guy that sits in that seat is not worthy of the honor of that seat no so, you said if I got Jeez. anything to share this is what I'm going to share <laughs> as we face this struggle together <laughs> As we face of so there what we have to do is we've got to be woke, not to others, but to ourselves yes. first. Yeah. Be consciously aware of our own biases. Uh, you might even hear people talking about, yeah, I see they said that, but I know we gotta have faith. Give mm-hmm. them a chance to change. Yeah. Look yeah. for the good and the opportunity because this time is different. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, our disposition change, our mindset change, we release some of the stress that we're under. Uh, I think Marion Williams wrote it, uh, Nelson Mandela said, but uh, when we stand up and be all uh, that we are created to be, when we let our light shine, that light is whatever your calling, whatever your mission, whatever your journey is, whatever your skills, your gifts that you operate in, that you share intensively with other people. When you allow your light and your gifts to shine um, and be your best self, you subconsciously liberate others to do the same because they walk in a level of freedom, not of fear. But a level with their eyes open of opportunities to be their best self, and that's what brings heaven to earth. It's not right. a place we're trying to get to. Right. We're trying to heavenly right here on earth.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: man. Thank you so much for it, for inviting me to share. That that was that was like therapeutic for me.
0: Well, good. So was
1: more that. They yeah. didn't even get into my mindset about things, but so much more to share but these are certainly uh, trying times yet exciting times because I don't want to get caught into what happened in the past because we hold on to anger and resentment. yeah we've got to be able we uh, have faith uh, of, of what's going to happen and that frees us up to be actively engaged in being the change that we desire to see.
0: Yes. We had a yeah. comment um, Resonance, my co-host, Said, protest manifests in different platforms. We all can have a voice. Defiance against injustice is a must. Hashtag consciousness, hashtag matters. And then Felita says, This is awesome. Great knowledge, sharing, and enlightenment. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I will be back here tomorrow with my sister friend, Natasha Pemberton Todd. She and I are going to talk from a black woman's perspective. And then on Wednesday, which got rescheduled from yesterday, my girl, Susan Johnson, um, from my, my Davidson days, my girl, um, we're going to have a conversation about me being black in this country and her white privilege. And we're going to have that conversation. So um, stay tuned. I think this is probably the most you all will see me this week because <laughs> I'm going to be on here every night except for Friday because I think we have to have a conversation. And what a great time to talk about it. And this is my platform. This is what I'm going to do um, until I get off these daggone crutches. So until then, until tomorrow, um, post your questions in here, comments, whatever, whatever. Um, if you are a troll, don't even bother because I'm all about positivity, unity, and love. So, thank you all for watching this evening. And thank you, Johnny. I love you from my bottom of my heart. My best Loving male pleasure. friend. <laughs>
1: keep, keep doing you. This this is your platform and this is your contribution. So, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it.
0: Thank you. I love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Alicia Brooks Podcast Show and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. If you would like to schedule a 20-minute brandique Discovery Session, visit the link in the description to my calendar and let's get connected. Please, this is only for those who are serious-minded about taking their personal and business brand to the next level. Time is valuable and we cannot get it back, but I would love to work with you. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, linkedin or twitter at alicia brooks or brand Neekly. you this is alicia brooks signing off and don't forget to be and live your brand